invite the ushers to come at this time if they would. We're going to receive our offering tonight. And I'm also going to invite a couple people to join me, Justin and Lindsay Morales, if you would come up here. Um, you may remember, ushers, go ahead. You can go ahead and come and, and begin to uh, pass the plates as we talk. And thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Um, a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, uh, we've been in a series, you know, uh, for a number of weeks called Living Brave. And, and talking about different ways that we live bravely in the eyes of God. And, and having different stories that talk about what really amounts to obedience. Living brave in the eyes of God is really just about obeying God. And where He calls you to go and what He calls you to do. And uh, several weeks ago, we prayed over a team that went to Cambodia on a medical missions trip. And uh, we thought it would be great for you to hear a, a little report tonight about how that trip went. And so this is Justin and Lindsay. Welcome. Would you welcome them with me? <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, I got a mic for you over here too. There you go. And so you guys just tell us who, whichever one of you wants to start. This was quite a missions trip. This was a little unique to a lot of the kind of trips that we do. And so talk a little bit about what you did. What did you go there to accomplish in Cambodia? We, were, uh, we went down there as a missionary uh, with PIP, Partners in Progress, and they're an organization that is all over the world, um, and they have started a mission work down there that basically travels up and down the Mekong River in a 65-foot boat um, to go to the villages that don't have infrastructure set up to get to towns, don't have transportation to get to towns where there's hospitals. Um, so they go up and down the river, and they um, basically serve the people that can't be reached by anyone else. Um, and we had three different teams that were with us. We had an optical team, we had a dental team, and then we were a part of the vision team. Um, and we went down there and we had hundreds, thousands of people to show up to get services and, and uh, try and help them. And um, just really neat to see how many different people came together to make it all happen. And um, so we lived on the boat for a week um, and traveled up and down the Mekong River um, and stopped at two different villages. We stayed at each village for about two days. There's some travel time in there as well. Um, the optical team, we saw about 65 people a day. Uh, so we got through about 350 people. The dental team, they saw about 35 people a day. Um, so they saw about 175 people. And then the, there's two doctors that came with us. So they were able to see a little bit more. They saw about 140 people a day for almost 700. So we saw about 1,200 people while we were down there um, and gave them you know, either service that we could offer to them. Wow, awesome. Now, was this, was this your first trip, or have you gone on a missions trip before? Um, this one was actually our second trip. Okay. We had gone last March um, to Honduras, and it was a shorter trip. It was only a, it was five days, I think, in terms of time that we were serving down there. So this one was a little bit bigger adventure. We were there for two full weeks, and the travel time to get there was pretty unique. Um, you're on a plane, just the plane rides that you're there, a total of 24 hours just to get there. Once wow. you're there, yeah, travel time was very interesting, and then we got to the boat, and um, very tight quarters, but it was very awesome and unique to see um, the group that are running it with Partners in Progress, Gail and Rick, um, are his brother, Roger Northern, here in town, is kind of how we all got connected with Partners in Progress in this group on the boat. And they live there, and they're living on the boat. They've committed to a five-year um, trip to be there and, and go up and down. And Roger's brother is also a dentist, so he's the dentist that serves on the boat full-time. And they're at about three and a half years right now, so they've got a little bit longer wow. to go. And the really neat thing about the ship itself is that uh, all of the crew members are volunteers and they come in and, and in terms of the translators are volunteers, the crew members actually do get paid, but they're all also going through a journey and becoming Christians, wow. learning English. Um, they have services on the boat um, where they lead worship themselves and, and that's how they're trying to reach out to their own community. So that was really neat to go in and be a part of that wow. where we could come in and just help temporarily for one week while they're on the river nine months out of the year. So wow. it, was, it was awesome. That's powerful. What, if you had to pick one thing that stood out the most just on, on the trip, what, what would you say that that would be? I would probably say just the amazing amount of need. Um, 
I had the, the toughest job, I think, of, of anyone. Um, there would be, on any given morning, um, they would have announcements over the speaker on the boat that would basically let the people know that we're there and that we're ready to help them. So there would be, um, I think our, our biggest day was six to 700 people that would show up. Um, and we're still on the boat, so they would line up on the shore of the boat. And what we would have to do, uh, myself, would have to go and pick people um, that were going to be able to come on the boat. So uh, going back to those numbers that I told you, when you're going to be able to bring maybe 200 people on the boat in that day, that means you have to tell 400 people that they're not going to be able to come on the boat, and they might not be able to get those services for another year or year and a half before the boat gets back to them. So just the amazing amount of need that's down there. Um, you know, we... We worked as hard and diligently as we possibly could, but there's just so much need down there, and there's so many people that need help. Um, and, you know, there's not many organizations that go to third world countries and, yeah. and serve down there, so there's just an amazing amount of, of need and, and poverty down there. I mean, the, the things we take for granted, the, the lights that are bright, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> and the, uh, you know, just turning on your lights or turning on water or any of those things that we do and we don't even think about, that's not an option to them. They go to the river and they get water that if we drank, we would be deathly ill. Um, and that's their drinking water. And they cook over open fires and they don't have lights. And all those things that we take for granted is everyday life for them. Wow. Wow. What about you, Lindsay? Was there one thing that stood out to you? Um, I would say probably the one thing, um, just in terms of mission trips in general, um, I think we get as much from the experience mm -hmm. that they do. I mean, you can see that they come, you know, when they come on and, and they've received their services, that they are just so excited. And um, especially in Cambodia, they're not a culture that's very um, hands-on or touchy-feely at all um, in public. And when you give them a pair of glasses and their eyes light up because they can actually see the piece of paper that's sitting in front of them. Wow. It, it's just, you know, the, and they're crying and giving you hugs and, yeah. you know, they just really are so grateful. And, and, you know, on our side, it really does. It makes us realize that we truly are blessed and we want to be able to serve and, and give more of our time, energy, funds, you know, everything that we possibly can. Yeah. Um, it, because it really does make a difference. And, you know, they know that we're there because of the love of Jesus and we yeah. want to share that with them. And uh, so I think that's probably the biggest thing. Wow, that's yeah. good. Tell us, tell us about, there is a, there's actually a village of people. You were we were talking about this before the service tonight, where people live on basically a barge, basically on boats. Tell us a little bit about that experience that you saw. Uh, some of you maybe have seen it. It's called the Floating Village. Um, and there's one other place that, in the world that's poorer than this area. Um, and these people are living on boats, and there'll be families, three to four people, basically living on canoes um, with, with roofs that they've constructed, some of them just with tarps over it. And they literally live on the river, um, and it's a floating village because everything from the school, the gymnasium, um, everything is floating. And as the tide goes up, they go with it. When it goes down, they go down with it. Um, and, you know, just some really sad statistics as far as, the sex trade down there, and about 80% of them are in the sex trade. Um, there's just an amazing amount of, of poverty down there like you've never seen. Um, they, the doctors said that the biggest thing down there is about 80% of the people have like a parasite living inside of them. Um, and that's just, that's just their daily you know, trip. They don't know anything different because that's just how they've lived all their life. So wow. just amazing the... The way they live and, you know, you see a floating pig behind their boat and because they don't have grass and they feed it and bring them food. And wow. So that's unbelievable. Well, we were talking about how if you've how many of you have been on a trip to serve in some capacity in another part of the world? Just raise your hand. Wow. A lot of you. Good. That's awesome. One of the things that that we talk about is how it wrecks you when you come back. And you're not really sure what to do with what you saw and what you experienced and you realize the blessing in your own life and why was I born here and, and all of those things. And you start to recognize the, just the stewardship we have of, of what we've been blessed with. And, and my prayer, when I was a youth pastor, you know, we take kids to um, different parts of the world. And the prayer was always that God would scar us for the rest of our lives with the needs of the world. 
And, and uh, I know if you've been on a trip like that, in, in one way or another, God scarred you with the needs of the world. And so would you do me a favor and just say thank you to them representing a whole team of people from our church who went, thank you so much, you guys. Bless your heart. Thank you so much. Put that back for you. Oh, it's good. You know, we pray over these teams. It's good to be able to hear kind of what happened because we were a part of that in praying for them and sending them. So, well, we are, we're going to uh, shift gears tonight. I am really excited. I had a weekend off a couple of weeks ago. Every once in a while, my hard taskmaster boss, allow, I'm just kidding. Um, we, we, every now and then we take a weekend off. And uh, I, got, I had the privilege uh, of Sunday morning going to Plum Creek Community Church, where the pastor is a man named Doug Miller. And many of you know Doug Miller. Doug was on this staff for a number of years, and he and I have been friends for a long time. And Doug and Beth are with us tonight. And we, we started a series last week, if you're here. Uh, Pastor Dick Foth started a series on relationships, but he had to go to Washington, D.C. this week. So he couldn't be here this week. And I thought, what a great opportunity to have Doug come and do a couple things. One, to update us on what's happening at Plum Creek, because... God's doing some incredible things in Castle Rock. And secondly, to uh, open the word and teach us tonight. So would you give a warm welcome home to Pastor Doug Miller as he comes. Thanks, Rob. Well, it's so good to uh, be back at Timberline Church. It feels like coming home for sure. And uh, this is... A church that has so profoundly impacted my life personally, but also the lives of my family. So it's always good to to be back. I can remember standing on this platform, oh, what was it, a couple years ago already, three years now, and uh, sharing with you guys that the Lord had laid on our hearts to go plant a church in uh, Castle Rock, Colorado. And it seemed like a crazy idea, I assure you, um, but God has been so faithful and it's important for me to just say thank you. I bring greetings from a new church in Castle Rock to, uh, to Timberline Church. So we're so glad to be able to be here and to quickly give you an uh, update of what God has been doing. So many of you have been part of this journey with us uh, as we set off to launch the church. I'll talk about that in just a minute. But Winston Churchill said this, The further backwards you look, the further forward you are likely to see. And so what I'd like to do for just a moment is look backwards and share with you a little bit of the history of what God has done. It was in November of 2005 that we made the announcement to uh, our staff here at Timberline, but also to our, this great church that we had been part of for eight years, that God was calling us to move and to do something crazy. And the opportunity that we had to partner with you and to partner with Pastor Derry and our staff that, uh, that we had come to love so dearly, uh, to be able to see this happen was incredible. The help that we had to be uh, able to get this, start, this church started was, was pretty significant. So many of you have been part of this through your prayers and your support. And also, uh, it's always fun to see you show up every once in a while as well. Rob, thanks for coming the other day. It was so good to see you guys. It was a surprise. We didn't even know they were coming, so it was good to see them. But after planning for uh, over a year and a half, we held our first public service in the theater. We meet in a movie theater in Castle Rock, Colorado, on August 13th, 2006, and it was one of the most amazing. Let me just ask this question. How many of you were there? Some of you came. Yes. Yes. Thanks, you guys. We had 298 people at our first service, which was amazing, and about 250 of them were you guys. (laughs) So what happened was the town thought we were pretty cool, and uh, we, uh, we obviously didn't have 298 people, but so many of you were were able to come, and also from uh, Grace Community Church in, in uh, Centennial also helped us. We called you guys the SWAT team. Do you remember that? Servants that are willing and temporary. And so the SWAT team came to Castle Rock and helped us uh, be able to pull off ministry that we would have been uh, incapable of doing on our own. So you guys were in the nursery and greeting and ushering and helping with worship and everything else, and it was an amazing day for sure. We began meeting month, uh, monthly on that day, August 13th, did that for uh, five months, uh, six months actually, all the way through uh, the end of the year, and then we started meeting weekly. I can remember when we were doing monthly services thinking, dear Lord, how are we ever going to do this every week? You know, I really liked the monthly service thing. Like, hey, wouldn't that be great? We can do church once a month, everybody be good, you know. <laughs> 
But uh, that definitely wasn't what the Lord had planned for us. And, and so we started meeting uh, weekly uh, the second week of January uh, 2007. And then uh, in October of 2007, just a few months later, we had to add another service because God was uh, moving uh, powerfully in that community and we didn't have enough room for everybody. And then um, during that first year of 2007, we averaged 285 people per weekend at uh, our little new church plant, and uh, God was so faithful. And those numbers are only important because they represent so many incredible people that uh, we have partnered with, but also people whose lives have been tremendously changed. And a lot of you have uh, the chance to be part of that, and Timberline will always be part of what we do at Plum Creek. And the DNA of this church has uh, profoundly impacted the DNA of Plum Creek for sure. And uh, we are who we are because of the time that we had to be here, so it's been amazing. In 2008, uh, obviously, we got cranking up, and we added our third service in October of last year, and I can remember the days when we thought we could only do one a month, and now we're doing three a week, and uh, the time frame at the movie theater is, is pretty tight. We have to be out by noon, so we're cranking them in and out pretty fast, and the Lord's blessed us incredibly. We celebrated our two-year anniversary last January, and God just did some incredible things. In 2008, we averaged 478 people every weekend. Isn't that amazing? Because you guys helped us to get started and to send us to Castle Rock. It's been great. That's a 68% increase in attendance. And I can tell you, uh, I never would have imagined how much work that would be and uh, how many challenges that, that would bring to us. But God has, again, been so, so faithful. We, uh, we uh, on our Easter of 2008, we had 765 people come to Easter services. You'd have thought that that uh, it was a grand opening of some kind of very cool movie in town. <laughs> As a matter of fact, this is a funny story. A lady was driving by the movie theater one particular Sunday morning, and the parking lot was pretty jam-packed, and she thought that she had missed the release of a new blockbuster movie. And so she came into the theater, and uh, she asked the manager, what in the world is going on in this movie theater? And uh, he said, well, this is church. They do it every week. She's like, what? Church? And so... She came and, and found me and drug me out into the lobby and was like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, we're, we're doing church in a movie theater, you know? And so we've had that happen several times, actually. You believe that people would go to church on Sunday morning and, or go to movies at, on Sunday morning at like 9.30 in the morning and end up coming to church and uh, haven't left since. So there's some amazing, amazing things that have happened. So, so far this year, 2009, God's continued to move. Two weeks ago, we had our highest non-Easter attendance weekend, uh, the weekend that you were there, Rob. We had 707 people, and uh, we've been averaging, uh, since the new year started in 2009, uh, a little over 600 people every weekend. So, you guys, I just need to tell you that uh, God is faithful, and when he calls you to do something, you have to do it, uh, because the greatest fear that I have in my life uh, after this experience is, is missing out on something that God might have for us. And I want to challenge you with that thought today. You get a crazy idea from God, you better move and you better roll because uh, there might be some significant opportunities ahead of you that you would never want to miss uh, if you said no to what God would want to do. We launched our small groups last Easter and uh, have over, at that time we had more people in small groups than we did uh, attending our church, which was pretty cool. So people are inviting their friends to come, we had over 300 people involved in small groups and have just seen God do some incredible things. One of the things that happened last year, too, that I'll just share briefly and then we'll move on, was uh, the Lord moved an organization called World Orphans to, to Monument, and their leadership team ended up at Plum Creek. And this is an amazing organization that cares for orphans all over the world. And uh, I developed a friendship with them. Long story short, they drug me to Africa with them uh, to be able to see what they were doing to determine if this was a ministry that we would want to partner with. And uh, we ended up partnering with a church in uh, Nairobi, Kenya, that uh, works in the slums of Nairobi. Pretty, uh, pretty dark, dark, dark place. But this church has uh, grabbed 40 kids that were our former orphans, and they're caring for them in their church. And um, about a year ago, a rich Muslim businessman came in the middle of the night and bulldozed their property with the kids in the building. Fortunately, um, they were able to get the kids out, but their building was completely destroyed. So, of course, you know, you get a chance to hang out with those kids for a little while, and God starts working on your heart. And this, this uh, partnership that we developed, I just knew when we came home, like you were just sharing with your trip, you've got to do something. And so I told the Lord on the airplane ride on the way back from Kenya that, I would leverage the influence that I had with our church to do everything we could to help this church rebuild. 
And so uh, I set off uh, on a challenge to our church on Thanksgiving weekend of last year. And I told them that I believe the Lord had given me a crazy idea to see, see that, uh, that we would be able to raise $20,000 above and beyond what our regular giving was to be able to help this church rebuild. And that just seemed like an audacious goal to me. And I was praying every week, God, please help us make budget. You know, I got to pay the staff and we got to pay rent. And, but they need a building in Africa, you know. So we challenged the people. And two weeks later, I came before the church and I told them that I had a confession to make. And that was that their pastor didn't have enough faith. Because in the first three weeks of the um, offering, we raised over $20,000. And so I told them we need to change the goal. And... Uh, <laughs> So we changed the goal, and we told them we need to raise, change it to $30,000. And, of course, everybody was like, what are you? You're nuts, you know. And uh, sure enough, that week, the Lord uh, helped us to be able to make budget and raise $30,000. So I came the next week, and I said, yeah, I still don't have enough faith, and I'm changing the goal again. And so we changed the goal to $40,000, and we made budget heading into the end of the year, and we're able to see the Lord help us to send uh, $46,000 off to the church in Kenya. So God is so faithful, you guys, so faithful, yeah. Uh, one more story, and then I'll share with you a couple of thoughts that I'd like to challenge you with today. Something crazy happened in Castle Rock. God's doing so many fun things. I've prayed for favor in that city since... We knew that God was uh, moving us that direction. And I can remember driving down I-25 and coming around the corner. So many of you have seen this corner. And as soon as you come around that corner, the whole Plum Creek Valley just opens up. And you see all those homes that are there. And every time I would take that drive, man, almost in tears, just praying that God would somehow uh, give us a chance to impact the spiritual climate in that community. And so a couple of uh, months ago, one of the guys on the town council that I know he uh, called me and he said, Doug, I need your help. And I said, okay, yeah, whatever I can do to help. He said, well, I, I am going to put uh, an ordinance forward that, that we would have an invocation prior to the town council meetings in Castle Rock. And I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? He said, no, I really feel like this is what the Lord wants me to do, and I want you to help me. Will you please write a letter to all the councilmen? And so I did, and uh, a couple of weeks ago I showed up at the council meeting and I, I was the only pastor to show up that at that day even though that was when they were going to vote and I said look guys I I want you to know I pray for you every day and I guarantee that if you say yes to praying an invocation before town council meetings it won't be the first prayer prayed in these chambers but I want you to know that uh, we're behind you and I'm behind you and we'll leverage the relationships we have to make sure that if you say yes to this that um, that we'll be here to help you in any way <clears throat> long story short in our day and age they voted in favor of beginning an invocation are beginning the town council meetings with an invocation. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that is so amazing. Yeah, how about that? So cool. So after they voted that in, a couple of, uh, a couple of days later, I got a phone call from, uh, from the uh, mayor's office, and they asked me to give the first invocation uh, at town council meetings, and it was a big deal, front page paper and the whole deal. And so God's moving in Castle Rock, guys. And I want to challenge you with the same thought that I did when I left uh, Timberline uh, almost three years ago. And that is every time you hear the words Castle Rock on your TV when you're watching the news, every time you drive back and forth on I-25 and see that community, please, please pray that God will impact our community. Every time you hear those words, I pray that, that God will bring to your, to your memory uh, this little church that you guys helped get started, that God will grant us favor and that we would work together in cooperation with the other uh, evangelical gospel preaching churches in that community to make a difference in that town for the Lord. And I believe that together we can do that. He's proved that so faithful so far. And uh, we are where we are today because of you. Derry, thanks for believing in us and uh, for sending us. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's also a little embarrassing for me to share some of those details, but they are important because they represent God's provision and miracles in people's lives. I could tell you story after story of situations where God has begun to do incredible things in people's lives. God is, a, is good, and for us, I know for Beth and I, and for our children, for our leadership team, this has been an absolutely amazing ride. And I believe that we have a significant challenge as a church, and it's not just the church that I lead in, in Castle Rock, but we have a challenge as the church that, that uh, God is calling us to be part of, and that is something that we're doing together. We are the church. And we have a challenge as a church, and that is this, that if we're not careful, we can get to the place where as a church, memory overtakes imagination. 
Did you hear me? Where memory can begin to overtake imagination, and that's not okay. This is a scary place for a church to be. It doesn't matter if it's church, a church that's a couple years old or a church that's several decades, decades old. My prayer is that imagination will overtake memory. And this only happens when we live by faith. And it's not when a church staff lives by faith or when Pastor Derry and Pastor Rob and the crew here or me live by faith. It's when we live by faith as a group of people that are passionate about seeing God move in lives. The reason that we take time to look back at where we've come from is that our vision for the future will be fueled by an understanding of his faithfulness in the past. In just a few days, you guys are going to have a chance for Pastor Derry to share with you the State of the Church Address. And uh, that's a powerful time to celebrate. It's a powerful time to look back and to thank God for what he's done in and through this great church here in, in Fort Collins. But the reason why that's so important is that it gives us faith for the future. To believe that God can do incredible things in people's lives. And he's at work doing that. I'll just share one with you real quick. When well, uh, we, we got to meet a gentleman, he's a, he's a police officer in Littleton. And when I first met him, he was pretty rough around the edges. And uh, great guy, I love him. He opened up a gym, a CrossFit gym. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. And some folks from church dragged me to this CrossFit gym. And can I just tell you that I have never done a workout more intense than you do at a CrossFit gym. And I had never been so sore in all of my life. It hurt so bad. And so I pulled this guy aside and I said, look, the guy that owns the gym, and I said, listen, I just want you to know that I have never been this sore before. So what I do is use things like this to remind me to pray. And so I'm going to start praying that God would touch your life every time I hurt. (laughs) He just left. He said, Doug, you're crazy, and I don't want anything to do with that. He said, you keep coming and working out, and I'll try and make you as sore as possible. And I said, listen, I will pray for you. Well, a couple of months ago, he called me, and he was going through some challenges. And if you knew the guy, this is just such an amazing story. And he said, Doug, I need to talk to you. I'm down at the gym. And I said, okay. And so I ran down, and we started talking. And he was sharing with me some of the things that were going on in his life. And I said, listen, I said, what excites me? is regardless of the challenges that you have to face, regardless of what has happened, I am so excited for you because you have tried to do this for so long the wrong way. And so I want to share with you what you need to do to be able to overcome and for you to be able to make the changes in your life that you've wanted to make for so long. And that is that you've got to let God be part of your life. He was like, I know. I know. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for letting me be so sore. You know, (laughs) it's happening. You know, thank you for what you're doing. And Sure enough, I got him a Bible, and he's memorizing verses. And listen to this. A couple of days ago, he calls me. And if you know the guy, this is just blow your mind. He says, Doug, Doug. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, i got to tell you something. I'm like, yeah, what? He says, I think God wants me to go to Africa with you. I was like, what? He said, yes, I really, but I'm just so nervous to tell my wife. I don't know what to tell her. I said, here's what you do. You tell her you think God wants you both to go. And when she freaks out, then we'll go to Africa. It'll be perfect. (laughs) So he calls me back a couple hours later. He said, I did it. She wants to go too. (laughs) So we've been talking on nearly every day, and God's just been doing some incredible work in his life. And he even called in sick the other day to go to church. How about that? Isn't that awesome? God's been doing some amazing things. And the idea is that if we are going to overcome this challenge as a church where memory Uh, to make sure that memory doesn't overtake imagination. It's going to take each of us doing our job well. And our job is to let God do His work in our lives. That's no one else's job but yours. No one else can do that for you but you. And the thing about the opportunity that I have tonight to talk with you is I know if you're willing to come on a Wednesday night, you're pretty passionate about your walk with God. And I don't know if you have a life verse, but I want to challenge you, if you don't have a life verse, that I might share one with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. I know that, uh, that uh, Pastor Dick is in uh, Philippians as well with the series that you guys are doing. And this is such an amazing verse that I want to read to you tonight and just share with you a couple of thoughts. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, and we're just going to look at one, uh, one verse, and we're going to go through this very quickly. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished, on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If you need a life verse, you might want to circle that one in your Bible. 
That should be encouraging to you. And I just want to share with you a couple of thoughts as it relates to this verse uh, by way of challenge this evening. First thing that I'd like to challenge you with is this, is this thought. The creator of the universe is at work in me. The creator of the universe is at work in you. Now, if you've ever gotten excited or wanted to cheer about anything, that should be one right there. The creator of the universe is at work in your life. I hope you're letting him do his thing. I hope that you're fired up about the fact that God cares enough about you that he wants to do a work. Now, here's the problem. So many of us are pushing against the work that God wants to do in our life. So many of us think that the work that God wants to do in our life is just about coming to church on on the weekends and then perhaps on on the midweek service, too. But God doing a work in you is something that we have to let Him do every single day of our lives. It can't just be something that happens on the weekend. And so I want to ask you this question. This morning when you got up, did you say yes to God doing His work in your life? I hope you did. Because God has begun a good work in you. God. Now, if you want to be confident of anything, everybody wants a sure thing, right? Especially in this market. We want to be confident of a sure thing. You want to build your life on a foundation that you can count on, that you can bank on every time. I guarantee you this, God's at work. And he wants to be at work in you. A God who redeems, a God who restores, a God who repairs is at work in you. The God of the second chance. When, when you believe that you have nothing to give, God plucks you out and says, i got a good work to do. We have to let him do his work. Can I tell you the number one lesson that I learned leaving this unbelievable church here in Fort Collins is this. More important than what God wanted to do to get a church started in Castle Rock was the work that God wanted to do in me. So many times I found myself running so hard, exhausted beyond what I could possibly imagine. And when I would get to those moments of complete exhaustion without fail every single time, this is what I heard the Lord say. Slow down. Enjoy the ride. God is at work in us. And I don't care what it is that he's calling you to do. The number one priority that you and I have is to let God do his work in us. The lessons that I have learned personally, that Beth and I have learned as a couple, that my dear children have been able to learn watching God provide so supernaturally to watch God do the incredible in their lives. Amazing. One of the first guys that ended up coming to our church that now serves on our advisory team was Josh's football coach. He got done with practice one day and he said, Hey, Coach Jeff. Yeah, Josh. Where do you go to church? And Jeff says, I'm not going to church yet. We just moved here to town. He's like, Well, you need to come to my dad's church on Sunday. And he said, Okay. And Jeff has become one of our advisory team guys and has helped us so faithfully. And there, Josh learned a very important lesson. Yeah, God's at work in his life too, so much so that God could use him to invite his football coach to come to our church. As a matter of fact, probably the first 40 families that showed up at our church were were families that my kids played ball with. Because my kids would strategically invite their children to sleep overnight on Saturday night. And if you sleep overnight on Saturday night with the Millers, that means you go to church early and help us set up. And the kids think it's great to go to a church that meets in a movie theater. They think that's awesome. So my kids have even been able to see that the creator of the universe is at work in them as well. You need to get this. You need to know God. You need to know his passion that God loves to get his hands on your life. And you need to let him do his thing in you. So I'm going to challenge you tomorrow morning when you wake up, you need to just say yes to what what God wants to do in your life that day. It's such an amazing adventure for us to be on. The next thing that I see in this passage of Scripture in Philippians 1.6, and I am sure that God, who began, God is the one that initiated the work being done in you. Write that down. God initiated the work. This is so important for you to know because so many of us think, well, I got to the point where I said yes to God. And then he started doing his thing. Oh, no. God started doing his thing long before you said yes. And that has been one of the most exciting things for Beth and I to be able to watch in our church plant. To specifically be praying for families. 
to specifically be praying for individuals that we've met. Just but God, will you begin to do a work in their life? Because I believe if you get a hold of them, it'll be good. I can remember when we were first getting started in town, this guy who Derry actually attended Timberline for a while. And he had moved from Fort Collins to Atlanta and then moved to Castle Rock. And he found out that we were planning a church. As a matter of fact, his wife's grandma lived two doors down from us when we lived here. And he called me and he said, he's a businessman. He said, I, I understand you're planting a church in Castle Rock. I said, yeah. He said, we're really excited about that. He said, I need you to tell me about it. I said, okay, I'm sitting at his living room table. I didn't have an office, you know. I'm sitting at his, din- his, his dining room table, and uh, he said, tell me, tell me the business plan. Tell me the plan. And I said, oh, Charlie. I said, we can talk about the business plan if you want. But that's not what this is about. And he said, well, tell me, what's it about? Oh, I'm serious. I said, Charlie, let me tell you something. Four things. I said, I am crazy in love with God. I said, I want you to know there's nothing that fires me up more than being a husband. And I want to be the best husband in the entire world. And I said, then after that, the Lord has blessed me with four kids. And I want to leave a legacy through the lives of my four kids. And number four, this is where you come in. I want to bring as many people along on that ride as possible. And he pounded his fist on the table and he said, I'm in! And let me just tell you something. He has been in ever since. He's one of our advisory team guys too. As a matter of fact, his entire cul-de-sac now comes to our church. Charlie would strategically have block parties and invite the pastor. <laughs> and we would hang out in his block party and he would every once in a while bring another guy over. Hey, this is the guy who says my pastor. You need to come to the church that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> God initiates the work that's being done in us. And the reality is... That regardless of where you are, regardless of how you feel in your life, God wants to do a work and he's already started it. But you and I need to say yes to what he wants to do in us. Now the next thing, this is a pretty incredible principle too that I see in Philippians 1.6. God God's work is also a good work. God's work is, and I am sure that God, who began the good work within you. Now the crazy thing is that most of the world, when they hear this, thinks, what are you, crazy? You are kidding me. God wants to do something in me and you call it good because I call it rules. I call it stifling life. I call it pushing me down or some crutch that I might need to make. No, that's not. I don't call that good. And you know what fires me up when people come to church, when people get to hang out with what we call plum creakers and they get to realize that we really enjoy God doing a work in our lives. I wish you could see the excitement on people's faces just like yours. When they begin to experience for the first time, God loves me. God cares about me. God wants to do something in me. And all of a sudden, they got to talk about it. And people look at them all cross-eyed. What are you, nuts? Yeah. And it's good. It's like when I told Craig when he called and said, yeah, I believe God wants me to go to Africa. I said, what are you going to tell the guys at work? Are you going to go tell the guys at the police station that you're a missionary to Africa? He's like, I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> It's a good work. I can remember when God first started working in our hearts to go to Castle Rock. And I, I kept thinking, Lord, this is, this is the dream church to work at. Timberline is perfect. I love being here. I love the staff. I love working with Derry. I love my job. I love, but you got to go. Like, that doesn't seem good to me. I can remember literally packing up my office right over here, beautiful roses. And just praying on the way out, God, someday, could you get me an office like this again? <laughs> but what God wants to do in us is a good work. And so many times, when I think about this journey that we've been on, I think about how much I have enjoyed watching God do the supernatural. To watch God do above and beyond what I could ever imagine. To see lives being changed, to see my kids' lives being changed, to watch Beth and I's relationship be different than it ever was before. Totally trusting and learning to trust in God. This is a good work, friends. I remember a couple of years ago when our uh, third son, Zach, he went to a water park and uh, he was young. Beth was pregnant with Megan, like out to here, I don't know, close to eight months, I don't know, something like that. 
And Zach went down this little water slide, and he had one of those vests on, like the little kids have, a floaty, floaty swimsuit, like one-piecer, you know, real cool. And uh, he went down that water slide, and when he hit the bottom, Beth was up at the top, the lifeguard wasn't paying attention. And when Zach hit the water, he flipped upside down, and so he was in the water face down. And of course, Beth, being eight months pregnant, as any mom would, jumped down the water slide, yelling at the top of her lungs the whole way down to rescue her son. But here's what happened. For the next several years, boy, poor little Zach, he didn't want anything to do with the water. Kind of freaked him out. Very panicked, very afraid. And I can remember him sitting on the side of the pool watching his brothers and sisters and all of his friends playing. It's just gut-wrenching experience for a father. You're like, dude, it's just water. Come here. And I can remember just walking into the water and saying, Zach, come here. Come here. And then for those of you that are parents, you remember this, the death grip, right? Like, I can't breathe, you know. Zach needed to know that the exercise that we were going through in that pool was actually a good work. Where I would say, you need to let go of dad. Now, just let me put my arms out and you feel how it feels to float. To Zach, that didn't feel like a good work. That's just crazy talk. He didn't want anything to do with the water. But slowly and surely, I would let my arms go just a little bit more. And then we got to the point where we could put him on the side of the edge of the pool, and then he could swim to Dad as long as I was standing there. And you know how the story would go. Not too much longer, he got up his confidence enough to know that it was okay for him to be in the pool without Dad being there. And then he got a chance to play with all his buddies and his brothers. It was a good work. But it didn't necessarily feel like a good work. And for some of you here tonight, you know what God's doing in your life is hard. Some of the stuff that he's doing in your life hurts a little bit. Some of you are going through some times that are very, very difficult. But you need to know and you can have confidence is what this verse says, that God is doing a good thing in you. But again, we just have to let God do his thing. The last thing that I'd like for you to write down is this. God is faithful to finish the work in me. And I am sure that God, who began the good work in you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. I want you to have confidence tonight knowing that God has a plan. And His plan in you is a completed project. He doesn't want to see you half done. He wants to see you fully done. He wants to see you continuing to learn the lessons that He wants you to learn. Listen, there's good news for all of us. God's not done or you wouldn't be here. I know God's not done with me because I'm standing here tonight. I'm still breathing and I'm standing upright. I know God's not done with me. And for all of us here, God's not done. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've known the Lord. He's not done with you yet. And we have to know that because He's not done, that means that we're not completed. And if we're not completed, we've got to spend every day letting God do His thing in us. You've seen that bumper sticker, be patient with me, God's not finished yet. It's true. It's very true because if He was finished, you wouldn't be driving that car, you'd be dead. God is not done with us. And listen, I know that I know that I know because of what I've experienced in the last couple of years, God's not done with me yet either. The lessons that I have learned, as incredibly challenging as some of them have been, God's not done yet. God's not done teaching Beth and I lessons yet. God's not done teaching my kids lessons yet. God's not done teaching our church lessons yet. God's not done teaching Timberline lessons yet. And personally, I need you to know tonight, God's not done working on you. So we've got to let Him do His thing. So tomorrow morning, when you wake up, I want you to be so sure, so sure that God, the creator of the universe, who began it a long time ago, that began the work in you, will continue his work until it is finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Rob's going to come back and as he comes, I want to Remind you again to keep praying for us. We wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for Timberline Church, for Pastor Derry, for so many of you that have faithfully prayed and served and gave and been part of what we're doing in Castle Rock. If you know people in that area, tell them to come check us out. 
And if you're in the area, we'd love to see you. Make sure you come up and say hi and pray for us. We're believing God for such incredible things this Easter. Gary, I believe that this Easter perhaps is one of the greatest in the history of the church for a long time. People are so sensitive right now because of our economy. Their foundations have been shaken. And I want to challenge you with this last thought as I go. You have a rare opportunity to help people realize the good work that he's already started in their life. I know how Timberline does Easter. And we can leverage this season this year better than we ever have before. But the only way that happens is when each of us understand that he wants us to be part of what he's doing. Perhaps you have a friend or a neighbor, a co-worker, a family member that is not connected to a local church. I want to dare you that this year you leverage this season well. Let God continue the work that he started in you and you be responsible for helping bring someone else to the realization that he's at work in their life too. If you'll pray that God will do that in your life, And while you're doing it, pray that God will mobilize all of our Plum Creekers to do the same. I believe that one of the greatest harvests in the history of the local church is going to take place this Easter as we begin to get serious about introducing people to what God can do. Thanks, you guys. It's so great to see you. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Oh, so much. Amen. Wow. We are going to, we'll pray for. Doug and Beth and Plum Creek before we go tonight. I want to invite the ushers to come and prepare to serve us communion. And I want you to let God speak to your heart about the work that he has begun in you and where you're at in that journey of saying yes to that work. Um, That you'll just let the Spirit of God take the words that he put in Doug's heart and speak them to your heart as we prepare to receive these emblems that represent what it's all about, how the work could even begin, his sacrifice in our lives. And so you don't need to be a member of Timberline to receive communion with us. We just ask that you have relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Please hold the emblems till everyone's been served, and then I'll come back and we'll receive them together. And we're going to worship God together, I believe. Um, uh, I think, are we going to sing? If not, meditate quietly as the emblems are passed. Yes, there we go. Okay, let's worship together. In fact, why don't you, once, once you have the emblems, why don't you stand and just sing and worship, and then once everyone's been served, I'll come back. Lord, I thank you that you hear very simple prayers like that. You hear us when we say very simply, I need you, Jesus. I can't, but you can. The Creator of the universe has begun a good work in us we need you I thank you God for the season we are entering and yet for those of us who follow you every day is a day we're grateful for Easter what these emblems represent God are life changing for us that you would allow your body to be broken and willingly let your blood be shed so that we could be reconciled to you, not tolerated by you, not even simply reconciled to be a friend, but reconciled as children. Chose us. Made us your own. The sacrifice was all on your part. And that's the season we come into where the whole world, in one way or another, will will have to grapple with Easter. And so, God, before we receive these emblems, we pause to pray for the community of Fort Collins and for the community of Castle Rock. That, God, this Easter season would be the most powerful Easter experience that these two communities have ever had. That every church that lifts up Jesus would boldly and lovingly proclaim the hope is in you that followers of you would invite friends and family members to come Lord we know that there will be hundreds and thousands of people who the only time they come to church is on Easter God we don't complain about that we say thank you 
thank you for the opportunity to tell your story. God, I pray that you will empower our pastor, Pastor Derry, to proclaim the hope that's in Jesus. Empower Doug as he proclaims this message of hope and draw people to yourself. May Easter be a day of reconciliation, bringing people to know you as Father. Thank you that it's possible because of your sacrifice. We do this tonight. Receive the bread and the cup in remembrance of you, proclaiming your death until you come. Let's receive the bread together. And now the cup. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us first. We love you back with our lives. Before you go, let me just encourage you to really be in prayer about Easter that weekend. And uh, here at Timberline, we have five time slots that you can come. And we have one time slot on Saturday night with two auditoriums and then a 7 o'clock, an 8.30, a 10 o'clock, and an 11.30. And both auditoriums available. And so I just encourage you to be in prayer to uh, be here, to invite friends to come with you. In Castle Rock, Doug's worship team, this is the craziest thing. They're going to start worship at 8, right, Doug? They're going to start at 8, and then they're going to unplug their instruments when they're done leading worship, and they're going to go to another theater theater and start worship there, and Doug will be preaching. And then when they're done leading worship, they're going to unplug and go back, and Doug's going to go over there five times. They're going to do that. On Easter Sunday. And so, isn't that awesome? So exciting. So as we pray about Easter in Fort Collins, will you, will you join me in praying for Easter at Plum Creek in, in Castle Rock that God will just do something really great. I love you so much. Thanks for coming. We have a great prayer team, just like on the weekends. We have one on Wednesday nights that would love to take your hands and pray with you. If you have a need, they'll be up front waiting for you. Otherwise, God bless you as you go. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Come back for uh, this weekend. Uh, Palm Sunday, right? No, the next one. Come back. Are we finishing Tim? We're finishing Tim. What about Tim? Come back this weekend. God bless you.